next Sunday. Um, I just want to reflect on that, and I just think it's, it's so cool that uh, we get to celebrate this hope, this coming hope, not just this year, but every year for as long as we live. Um, and just as you guys know, we've been going through uh, the this, this series Isaiah and learning about hope. And so today we're going to be in Isaiah 11, going to be turning to Isaiah 11. Um, but before we dive in, I just want to share a little story with you guys. So as you guys know, I spent my summer in Los Angeles. Great, great, great city. My heart is for those people. My heart is for that city. And uh, so on this one day, we decided, um, or actually the guys that were in charge of us uh, wanted us to do like a spiritual temperature. So if you guys are familiar with that, a spiritual temperature is really just going out into different communities and meeting up, meeting people, uh, getting to talk to them, ask them, you know, what do you think about church? What do you think about Jesus? And so it's just kind of getting a feel for what the church, what, what these guys are thinking, what the church is like, right? And so on this one specific day, we decided to go to this uh, one community called the Arts District. And so in the Arts District, you have a lot of your artists, your creative people. And so uh, we split off. We did either, I think it was like two, teams of two or three. And so I was with uh, one person. So it was just me and this other person, uh, part of his team. And so we're getting ready to leave, and we're, we're walking back to the van. And uh, I remember we saw this coffee shop. And I was like, I told this person, I was like, hey, like, let's stop by here. Let's go check it out. And so we go in. The other person goes, sits down at the table, but then I go up to the, uh, the stand, and I'm talking to the barista. And honestly, I wasn't going to order coffee because I ended up getting a smoothie. So <laughs> going to a coffee shop and coming out with a smoothie is kind of it's weird. Uh, but anyways, as I was talking to her, I just started you know, here asking for her name and asking for her story. And it was so cool because... She only had one break, this one 30-minute break for out of her eight-hour shift that day, and she decided to come and sit with us. How cool is that? She decided to take her only 30-minute break for that day to come and hear the gospel. And so as she sat down with us, and we got to know each other uh, some more, and by the end of this conversation, she looked at us, and she said, because of you guys sharing your life transformation with Jesus, I now have hope. Because here's the thing. She was hurt by the church. She grew up Catholic. She grew up in a Christian home. But then the people that were supposed to surround her, were supposed to love her, hurt her. And so she ended up turning away and becoming an atheist and going against God. So how cool is that? I didn't even know that, and she told us all that. How cool is that, that she took a 30 minute, her only 30-minute break to come and sit with us, followers that she has been blasphemy against, people that she despises, and she looks at us at the end of our conversation and says, hey, because of you two, because of the joy and the hope that's in Jesus that, that I see in you guys, I now have hope that there's a God. And, and it's so funny, I want to share this story because leaving today, I want you guys to know that God's given restoration provides hope. I'm going to repeat that. God's given restoration 
provides hope. See, here's the thing. She got hope from me because I was restored. Because someone decided to give me hope because they were restored. Right? So Isaiah 11. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears. Sorry. But he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with a scepter from his mouth, and he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Righteousness will be a belt around his hips. Faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, the young lion, and the fattened calf will be together. And a child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young ones will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like cattle. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit, and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain. For the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord. So for the first, so for all of Isaiah, the Israelites, so they're, um, they're being surrounded by armies, right? So, so these guys on the outside, they're wanting to come in and, and literally take their land from them, right? These surrounding armies are, are, are threatening to exile the Israelites. They're threatening to come in and, and basically capture them, take over. And so the Israelites are facing this oppression. They're facing this, uh, uh, these battles and these struggles. And so, but here's the thing. God begins to give them this prophecy, this prophecy of uh, a branch or, or out of Jesse's lineage, this branch that will produce everlasting fruit for all generations, right? And so, God wants to, he basically told him, he's like, man, I know that I see your brokenness. I see your mistakes. I see your failures, but I want to restore you guys. And so he begins to tell him this prophecy, right? And so in this prophecy, this man that's supposed to come or that is going to come, that will come, uh, it, it, the Holy Spirit's going to rest on him, right? The Holy Spirit is going to give him counsel. It's going to give him strength. It's going to give him courage, It's going to give them righteousness, faithfulness, faithfulness in our Father. Because here's the thing, the Israelites, because they've been so focused on the externals, right, what's been happening on the outside, that they've begun to forget to focus on God. They've begun to, they've stopped loving their people. They stopped caring about their poor, the needy, the hurt, the oppressed, Right? And so, and so God is reminding them, like, hey, I know that you guys are focusing on the outside, but what's happening internally, right? See, here's the thing with us. 
when, when, when God sees our brokenness and, and when we begin to struggle and we begin to battle, we, we tend to forget that we're not loving others well. And so when we're not loving God well, we're not loving others well. And so, but here's the thing, and God sees the brokenness. He sees our failures. He sees our mistakes. Just as he saw the Israelites not following him, not focusing on him. And so it's so beautiful because for us, out of God's mercy and grace, he sent his son Jesus. But then here's the thing, Jesus stepped into, stepped down from a place of perfection to come down into a world of brokenness. And in doing so, he came for us because God wants you. God loves you. God desires you. He wants a relationship with you. And, 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 the, reason, and the reason being is because Jesus lived that perfect life, did he not? He fulfilled the law. Even taking our sins because we were separated from God. And he said, but Jesus looks at us, I want restoration for you guys. See, the definition of restoration is uh, bringing you back to your former state. So meaning like if your vision was restored, then your vision, you know, you got your eyesight back. And so, but then Jesus is looking at all of us and he's saying, I want to restore you. I want reconciliation for you to be with the Father. And so he, 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 what he does is he does the ultimate sacrifice. It's like Isaac always tells me. He takes our place on the cross because we could never do it because we're imperfect. And so as he goes to the cross, he lays our sins down. Then he dies. Then he resurrects three days later. And so going back to the scripture with these Israelites, Restoration is being brought to them, not just externally, but internally. He's reminding them that, hey, you guys have forgotten to love on your own people, your communities, the people in your communities. But I'm going to bring you restoration. And, and just as I was reading verse Verse uh, 6, the wolf with the well with the lamb, not just the people, but the animals experiencing peace, restoration. So here's the thing. When I read through that, I can't, I can't picture a wolf laying with a lamb because I'm thinking that wolf is looking at him like it's dinner. The same way that I look at wings when it comes to the table. <laughs> like, I'm ready to devour those things. <laughs> I'm not looking to, hey, man, what's your name, dude? Let me, let me get to know you a little bit. Oh, yeah, you, oh, okay, yeah. No, I can't imagine that. But the fact that God gives us that illustration, that picture of a predator with a prey, no more harm, no more conflict, no more damage being done, but instead peace, restoration. And so, with this peace and this restoration, there comes 
unity, right? Like when, when different animals start coming together and they're not trying to kill each other, not trying to attack each other, it, it's almost, it's a peace, right? It's, it's unity, them coming together. And so for us, see, we, we've already received Jesus. These guys back in the day, the Israelites, <laughs> the only thing they had to go by was someone telling them about this guy. They don't even mention his name. They just say that, hey, there's someone coming out of Jesse's lineage that's going to produce fruit for you. That's going to produce fruit for all generations. Right? But for us, we've already been given Jesus. God chose us because he wanted you. He wanted that relationship with you. Right? It's like God told them what to do, but then now he's like, hey, I'm going to actually show you what to do. All right? And so, under this one life, one cross, one death, one resurrection, we have hope. We have unity. But here's the thing. That hope starts with restoration in Jesus. You can't have hope without restoration. Right? So verse 10. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will look to him for guidance, and his resting place will be glorious. On that day, the Lord will extend his hand a second time to recover the remnant of his people who survived from Assyria, Egypt, Paphros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and the coast and the islands of the west. He will lift up a banner for the nations and gather the dispersed of Israel. He will collect the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Ephraim's envy will cease. Judah's harassing will end. Ephraim will no longer be envious of Judah, and Judah will not harass Ephraim. But they will swoop down on the Philistine flank to the west. Together they will plunder the people of the east. They will extend their power over Edom and Moab, and the uh, Ammonites sorry, will be their subjects. The Lord will divide the Gulf of Suez. He will wave his hand over the Euphrates with his mighty wind and will split it into seven streams, letting people walk through on foot. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people who will survive from Assyria as there was for Israel when they came up from the land of Egypt. And so um, I actually want to share a story uh, from another piece of scripture. Uh, so let's see. Exodus uh, 17, right? So Joshua is getting ready to uh, go up against the Amalekites, right? So he's getting ready to fight against these guys. And it honestly looks like a losing battle. And so Moses, though, he's standing on a hill nearby, and he has the staff of God in his hand. And so as, God, as Moses is beginning to raise the staff of God to the heavens, to God, um, Joshua begins to win the battle, right? But the moment that Moses lowers the staff because his hands got tired, Joshua begins to lose the battle. And so this is going on for a few moments, and Aaron and her, actually, that, that were next to him, they're like, hey, we got to help this guy. This guy's struggling by himself. And so they come alongside him, 
and they actually began to hold up their, his, or his arms, sorry. They began to hold up his arms. And so the reason I was sharing that is because it's such a beautiful picture of uh, unification. And, and when we think about hope, we think when we gather as a church, we gather because of the hope that Jesus brings. Right? Because the church is broken people coming together for the hope of the gospel. Right? And so the reason I was sharing this story is because at the end of this story, obviously Joshua won the battle, uh, but Moses builds an altar. And he names the altar, or he calls it, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. So what is a banner? Right? So for, well, actually, I'll, sorry, I'll give you the definition first. So the, a banner is something that identifies and unifies a particular group of people. So for me, when, I'm, when I think of a banner, you guys like know in the medieval times when armies are like marching and stuff and they're holding up like the huge banners with like the flag that has the, your, either your insignia or whatever house you represent. Um, but that guy's usually in the front though, right? And then you have like the rest of the people that are just following that banner. And so God has given these Israelites the restoration and is telling them now, hey, the restoration that comes from this is going to give you hope, and, and, and this guy that's going to stand as that hope is going to be a banner for all people, all people, right? Not just all white people, or not just all black people, but not just Asian people, of course, but all people. And, and with this banner, right, see, for us, God is saying that this hope is coming from this root that's going to stand as a banner for all people. See, for us, the cross is, a, is our way of identifying ourselves as followers of Christ. Is it not? And, and, and here's the thing is, the Lord is our banner under whom we unite. And so when we unite, we're bringing hope to others, right? It's like that song we were just singing, or it's like Grayson mentioned earlier. When we gather, we're bringing each other encouragement. We're bringing each other love. We're bringing each other joy. We're telling each other about our weeks and about, hey, this is what I've been battling and struggling with, right? And it's like Nick mentioned two weeks ago, the reason why we have discipleship is so that way you don't leave out these doors wondering, questioning, right? And so as I mentioned earlier, our banner is the cross. But can I ask you something, though? What is your banner? What is your banner? Who are you rallying to and who are you turning towards? 
which army are you choosing to follow? Which banner are you choosing to follow? Right? See, when we, when we gather as a church, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's because we're broken people coming together, and that's because the restoration that we receive from Jesus as I mentioned earlier, you can't have hope without restoration. Because we know that God's given restoration provides hope. And it's just like that story that I shared earlier with, and her name was Adina. I know, I, I, I think I didn't mention her name. But her name was Adina. It's like this last week. I was in the gym, and this guy, uh, I have not seen since high school. No joke. I have not seen since high school since I was, like, 15 or 16. Um, I've probably only seen him, like, twice now. So, yeah, this was, like, the second time. But this time, though, he, he came up to me, and he was, like, t- uh, asking about me and just asking how my week's been. I've been, you know, I was talking to him. And it's funny because the first time I was able to share the gospel with him, I was able to tell him about, this Jesus guy, this Jesus guy that I follow and like, hey, like, I choose to love type of thing. Um, and so the second time, this last week, it was so funny. So I began to tell him a little bit about um, my life transformation and, and where God's directed me towards. And so it was so funny because it's like, as I was telling him all these things, his eyes just started like, it, I could just see, I could just picture, it's like his eyes just lit up. It was like there's something that just hit him. And it's so funny because he was incarcerated in, during high school because we both went to high school together, so he was actually incarcerated. Uh, they used to call him Jailbird on the football field, so it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. But yeah, uh, he was incarcerated, they called him Jailbird. Um, but what's so cool, though, was that just like Athena, I had been restored. I had been given restoration because someone else decided to share this hope with me. And so now because I have this restoration, I'm able to share hope with others. Just like this guy last week, Bryson. Or, sorry, his name is Bryson. Um, Sally's not here today, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Um, but that's the thing is, when we have this hope, we can bring it to others. But it starts with restoration in Jesus. Just as the Israelites have lost focus on God, just as they were not listening and obeying, but instead thinking, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We're getting surrounded, we're going to die, we're going to get captured. And God tells them this prophecy, and he's like, hey, I don't want you to worry about this because there's going to become a time when my one and only son is going to step into this world of brokenness and take on flesh and fulfill the law and die for our sins so that way we could be back with the Father and take it to the cross and die and resurrect three days later. And, and even our mission statement, love God, love others, create disciples. We should be living that out. We should be about that. Because if we're not living out 
our life as a representation of the gospel, how are we going to have holy interventions? How are we going to share the gospel with people if we're not living that life, right? See, there's a difference between faith and hope. Faith is grounded in the reality of the past. Hope is looking to the reality of the future. And as as I said, our mission statement, love God, love others, make disciples. That's the reason why we're ascending church. That's the reason why my shirt says planting churches everywhere for everyone. So we can reach people like Athena, so we can reach people like Bryson. So we can have a church that's being a disciple, right? Like when we think of the word disciple, we're thinking it's someone that is a follower of Christ, yes, but also means abiding by the law, right? Following his commands, because John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. And so if you're here today, and you want to know about this hope, come find me. Come find Grayson. Come find Isaac. Come find Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> Come find any of us and come ask us about this hope. Because when we're able to, because God's already given that restoration, and so when we accept that restoration, when we believe in that, when we start to accept that, we're able to provide hope to others. It's just as Corey mentioned See, we already know death has been defeated. We already know that Jesus is going to come back. But it's a matter of us, wherever we are, in our workplace, at the gym, at the school, on the street, if we're able to share the gospel with them. See, we share the gospel to make disciples, right? We're not looking for converts. Yeah, that's great. But we're also looking for, hey, are you, follow, are you actually in an active relationship with Jesus? I wasn't going to share this, but I just kind of feel the Holy Spirit leading me. So as you guys know, I'm actually from a Buddhist family. So are you guys familiar with paganism? So we actually worship multiple gods. And my mom and dad still do actually to this day. If you actually come to our home, there's a, (laughs) it kills me every time I walk in the house, but there is literally a three-story shelf that faces the front of the door with like 10 statues. And it, 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 it gets me going because I'm like, mom, dad, you're serving a dead God. Whereas I've been serving a living God. Five years, four or five years going into five years now. 
how can you worship a dead God that the tomb is still there? The tomb is still there. When you look at Buddha's tomb, it's still there. But when you look at Jesus' tomb, it's empty. He chose to left that grave, right? He chose to give us life. He gave us eternal life to be with the Father. And I look at my mom and my dad every time, and, and, and my mom, you know, she does these like, oh my gosh, these incense every morning and every night. And, uh, and it's funny, I'll tell you guys a little bit about Chinese culture. So when you go to a funeral, uh, and, and you go to, well, sorry, when you go to a funeral um, and you come back, so you're supposed to step over like this like burning pile of like ash that's like special paper that's supposed to prevent demons from following you inside your house. And so every time, like back in the day when we go to like funerals and stuff, like before we, we would step a foot inside the house, my mom would be like, hey, we got to burn this stuff. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is weird. Uh, and so I never understood it. And so that type of stuff right there just doesn't make sense. Because who are you praying to? Who are you worshiping? There's no God that sits at the right hand, right? Because Jesus, Jesus has been exalted and now sits at the right hand of God. And see, with paganism, we're following all these dead gods, and it, it breaks my heart because I witness it every day I step inside the house. Nothing has changed in their hearts. They're still the same person they were 10 years ago. They still serve this God that his tomb is still there. But hey, if you're here today and you're wondering what restoration is, come find us. Come talk to us. I'm thankful for you guys. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for what you're doing in each and every single one of us, God. I thank you for the words that were spoken today, God. Let, let it not be about Bobby Wynn, but instead about you, God, about your son, Jesus Christ, Father. Let, let me hide behind the cross, God. Let me just be a mic that amplified your voice, Father. Father, if there's someone here today that's, that's battling, that's struggling, God, I pray you just soften their hearts, Father. Just as the Israelites were struggling and had lost focus on you, God, you, you sent them a prophecy to remind them of what's to come, of the victory that was inevitable. Father, I thank you for everyone that showed up today. I thank you for the ones that didn't show up today, God. I thank you for their hearts. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening this week. To learn more about ID Clifton, including our gathering times, small groups, and upcoming events, check out our website at idclifton.com. Again, thank you for listening to the ID Clifton podcast. And remember, love God and love others. See you next week.